Hello, and welcome to the Market Bull Podcast. Please note, topics and stocks discussed in this podcast are not financial or investment advice. Before this episode starts, I just wanted to thank you, the listener, for the continued support you've shown the Markable podcast so far. Since we started the show, there's been overwhelmingly positive feedback and it's just been an incredible journey. We have great plans to further develop the show, so thank you for taking the time to listen to me each week. If I can ask one favour of you, it's to please hit the follow button and review the show on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Today on the show, I spoke with Ben Turney, the CEO at Cavango Resources, which is an exploration company listed on the London Stock Exchange under code KAV. Cavango Resources is operating primarily in Botswana, Southern Africa, and targeting world-class base and precious metal deposits such as copper, gold, nickel, and rare earths. Ben discussed that until recently, the Kalahari cover in Botswana has been difficult for exploration companies to explore, and as a result, highly prospective areas have been overlooked. Ben touched on the technology being used by the company, updated some of the projects and timelines, and how the partnerships are developing with local communities. Ben also looked at the macro factors driving demands for these commodities, and how Kavango Resources is positioned for this. So hello and welcome to the Market Bull podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kostrich, and joining me on the show today remotely from uh, the UK is Ben Turney, the CEO of Kavango Resources. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks very much for having me, Ben. I was going to say the name already makes it a bit fun. It's Ben and Ben show. But uh, before we dive into the Kavango Resources, which is an exploration company operating in Botswana, uh, give us a bit of an insight into to who you are as a person and, and a bit of your backstory before landing as the role as CEO at the moment. Oh, thanks. I've, um, I've had a bit of an eclectic career. I set my first company up when I was at university. I've always been very entrepreneurial and I've only ever really worked for myself. But over the last 15 years, I've got more and more heavily involved in the financial markets themselves. So I haven't followed a conventional path. I spent a number of years as an investigative writer uncovering white collar fraud. Um, in the UK on the London Stock Exchange. From there, I moved into shareholder activism. Um, it was a bit of a hop, skip and a jump into that and had quite a lot of success uh, pursuing a number of um, activist campaigns. Also suffered a few defeats as well along the lines. But after a few years of really, I'm afraid of chasing windmills, I was just sort of hoping that, you know, we might be able to try and make the market into a better place. Um, I moved into a more sort of conventional career path and set up an investor relations company that I still have today. And from there, um, had a number of consultancy contracts. I've worked with clients all over the world, a lot in North America, a lot in the UK, of course. And I was introduced to Kavango Resources in about 2018. In 2020, I took on a consultancy role with them. The company was pretty much on its knees. They, they former board had, had run it into the ground. I mean, it was, um, it wasn't in the best shape. And I went in as part of a, a bailout financing to try and turn the company around. And over the course of 2020, we had you know, fantastic market conditions to work in, but we did a lot in terms of um, repurposing the company's narrative and starting to get some buying interest back into it. I then led uh, financing at the end of that year for the company. So we raised £2 million in November 2020. And after that, I was asked to join the board and from there became CEO. Okay. And I mean, even your exposure to, to mining and, and resources, has that been a natural progression or have you just sort of emerged into this field now and are just gravitating towards exploration and mining in particular? 
It's an excellent question. I think it was um, it was more of a natural progression. I, I started off as many do in this space as a as a retail investor. That's what first attracted me to the markets. But one of the things I've quite quickly realised um, during the last major bull run was just quite how much there is that happens in this space that isn't in the interests of ordinary investors. And for better or worse, it turned out I had quite a, a talent for being able to spot these these sorts of problems and, and really understand what was happening underneath the hood. And I've always found that sort of since I've been involved in the mining space, that it's something I certainly feel I've got a, a feel for. You know, I'm quite a creative thinker. I like to think laterally. And this is, a, this is an industry where it does reward that and it requires that kind of thinking. I'm a very, very dogged and determined person as well. So I think that combination really is, is what set me up to, to, to take on this role that, that I'm now performing today. And speaking of the company, you've, you've taken it over, as you said, on its, on its knees and, and gone through a transformational adjustment and, and realignment and, and refocus. What, what is the company and what drew you to, to take on that, that challenge initially as well? So what originally drew me to Kavango was the projects in Botswana, in particular, the Kalahari Suture Zone. I've got to be honest, this is a project that I fell in love with from the start. Um, it's a very ambitious project. We're looking for these very large scale nickel copper sulfides. It's extremely technically demanding. Um, it's a very challenging project that we're working with. We, we have to contend with a massive amount of sand cover that covers the entire area, but that of course also presents the opportunity as well. And. One of the things in particular that attracted me to Kavango was its use of cutting edge technology as a, as a method for exploration. So we are a, a geophysics led business and that's been, that's been tough. Um, it obviously means particularly when we're dealing with targets that are beneath the surface and are, are covered by sand. So there's no geology that's outcropping that can give the usual sort of clues in exploration. So we're very much having to rely on remote sensing technology to identify our drill targets. And then of course we have to contend with the depth as well in the Kalahari suture zone in particular, we're looking at targets that are around about 600 meters depth. Now that was what Kavango originally listed on back in 2018. Um, over the course of 2020, while I was working as a consultant for the company, at that point, the company got into the Kalahari copper belt. Now, again, as a retail investor in the UK and as a lot of Australian, um, investors will remember MOD resources had a lot of success in the copper belt with metal tiger, as was in the UK, which in turn obviously got bought out by Sandfire and obviously Sandfire has built its business. That's a company that your listeners will no doubt be very familiar with. It's built a lot of its business around its success in the copper belt. So as a, as an exploration jurisdiction and an exploration frontier, the copper belt obviously has a great deal of appeal, um, in terms of the success there's been there, but also there's still a lot of ground there that hasn't yet been explored. Now, of course. More recently, we've had a lot of success with our Ditau project, and this has really come out of left field. We did drill Ditau last year, but it turns out that the system that we ran into, the ideas we originally had, we've had to put those to one side, and we're now focusing on this load gold potential. And I think this is one of the things I love about this business is you wake up every morning, you never know exactly how your day is going to play out. You whatever plans you might have, whatever ideas that you think coming into a week like we're going into now. By the end of this week, I'm sure things will have turned out very differently to the way I expect. So there's a lot of excitement as well, and a lot of variation. And yeah, that's something that really does appeal to me. Yeah. I mean, touching back on, on the conditions that the fact that this area is, is covered in sand, I mean, that was one of the, the initial bits that jumped out to me on the website was talking about the difficulties, but therefore the use of, of differing technologies to, to amplify and, and understand the 
the surveying areas, uh, not necessarily because it's uh, it's sort of been there, but almost overlooked again. And and now with the advancements of these technologies, you can investigate further. I mean, th there's really two questions there. Which which one would be? What are some of the these technologies that are that you're applying? And and the second one would be because you're you're located in Botswana. How have you found the whole operating system being in that country that's got I would say a relatively stable uh, mining setup. Uh, I know they've been pretty much prolific in in diamond in particular, but now these new emerging resources. How is that layout and and experience treating you? Well, it's um, if I could answer those in in reverse. So starting off with Botswana, it's a fantastic jurisdiction to operate in. Um, it's got an extremely stable uh, legal jurisdiction. There's been a lot of commercial success there as well. Companies that have have been bought and sold. It's a very, very reliable country to work in. It consistently scores very highly in pretty much all of the economic ranking tables from, from literacy through to economic activity, to the reliability of its judiciary. So Botswana is a, is a great country to operate in from an explorer's point of view. One of the other big advantages of Botswana is the country is very big. It's about the size of France, um, but it's got a tiny population of about 2.2 million people. So that means that a company like ours can go out and use the type of technologies that, that we deploy without a lot of the background noise that there can be. So for example, power lines, railroads, even fences, there isn't so much of that. So that gives us a really great opportunity to go and deploy this really quite powerful technology in a way that in other areas, it can be a lot more difficult to do. Now, one of the other great advantages of Botswana, of course, is that with where it's based, you've got access to a great local labor force. It's obviously got a tradition of mining stretching back to the sixties with the Zhuaneng diamond mine. So um, diamond mine. So there's a, a great deal of, of sort of mining reliance built into their economy. So for a company like ours, if we can make a discovery, um, I think it is one of the best jurisdictions in Africa that we have a great deal of confidence that if we do find something, we'll be able to find a way of commercializing it. Now, in terms of the technologies that we use, there are a lot of standard technologies out there. For example, airborne electromagnetic surveys. Um, ground magnetic surveys that have very sort of tried and tested that other companies will use. And of course we do use that, that technology because essentially the way that a, a geophysics led exploration strategy works is you won't rely on just a single data point. Different surveying technologies will look for different, um, different features. So for example, with electromagnetics, we're looking for conductive bodies. The basic idea behind that is that a conductive body that occurs in nature there can't be many things it can be other than some form of metal sulfide. What those metal sulfides then might be is in another case. And are they available in sufficient quantity and in sufficient concentration to form a modern mine? But that's sort of the basic principle behind EM. Using a technology like CSAMT, which is controlled source audio magnetotellurics, that's where Kavango is really opening up the throttle and we're using new technology, but in new ways. We're configuring the arrays of sensors in different ways. We're processing the data in different ways. There's been a lot of advances in modern and version software over the last five or six years, and we're putting that to, to great use. With CSAMT, one of the things I'm fascinated about with CSAMT is that it uses electrical currents that occur naturally within the earth. So for example, um, lightning storms that, that could occur where you are in Perth, the, those lightning storms will obviously charge the earth's crust, and we can take the signals from those lightning storms and use those to basically power the CSAMT technology that we uh, that we deployed. So I get a much clearer idea of what the structure is. So as those electrical currents pass through the Earth's crust, 
they obviously, um, they, they leave, or they, they generate different signals depending on how resistive the bodies they are that they encounter. And obviously different rock layers are, they have sort of different degrees of resistivity. So what that then enables us to do is to map out from surface what the actual individual rock layers might, might look like. And with the way that we're using CSAMT now, we're able to map down to, we believe about four kilometers with quite a high degree of confidence. So we really are sort of pushing the boundaries in terms of the deployment of this new technology in, in Botswana, because we have got such a fantastic jurisdiction to work within. So the, you know, the actual, the operating environment is ideal to deploy this type of tech. And with the reason we think that's going to be so important for Kavango in the future is if you think where the world's major ore bodies are and what the major, or where the major discoveries now are, pretty much everything that's available at surface has now been found. You know, so sort of modern exploration is about 150 years old. So obviously as the population has grown and obviously humankind has much more demand for, for metals, you have to ask yourself, well, where are the next major deposits going to come from? And it's our belief they're going to come from beneath cover. So that could be beneath sand cover. That could be beneath the jungle. Um, it could even be beneath the seas. So for Kavango, we're focusing very much on the desert, um, desert areas, so desert landscape, and particularly with sand cover. And that's really what our main competitive edge is as we move forward. Yeah, well, that's a great point. The, the, the easier in, in a quirky sense, minerals and, and deposits have already been found. They, they were the ones that at the time would have been much easier to, to access and develop. Whereas now with this, this increasing, as you see it everywhere around the world, these commodities that everyone wants, suddenly there's very limited supply and it's because all the easy, again, I shouldn't say easy, but the, the stuff that was easy, able to be accessed sooner and quicker in, in context of mining, of course, uh, was taken. And now it's that thinking outside the box, where else are these resources lying, but potentially in more challenging areas or jurisdictions, or, or as you said, I hadn't even considered, you know, ocean exploration, which I don't know anything about, but you know, the, the idea of even going into to sand and deserts has its, has its challenges. And already it sounds like the company is quite forward thinking in at top adaptation and adoption of technology and, and using it because you'd say that mining, it's a traditional idea of you just, you dig holes and, and you find the resources, but it's the, the evolution of technology means that certain areas now can be genuinely considered a lot better because of th these new technologies. Um, so, I mean, the commodities that you're targeting, you mentioned a few before. I mean, when I was looking on the website, it's, it's very well laid out. It tells you exactly what you're looking for and the nature of exploration is, is who knows what you could uncover, but Give us a bit of insight into, into what are the, the primary projects and, and the targets within those, those projects. So we're currently looking primarily for nickel and copper. Um, that's across our project areas. Um, although now we've added gold into our portfolio as a result of the, the drill results from last year's drill campaign at Ditel. Just one point I'd like to pick up on, um, which you just made. It, it's not, of course, just about the technology. Price also does play a very big role in all of this. So obviously, as the demand for um, metals like nickel and copper is growing pretty much exponentially with the green revolution that we're in the early days of, you know, this move towards electrification is going to require a vast amount of these metals at a time when the number of major discoveries has been in really steep decline. When you then obviously factor in how long it takes to take uh, a project from discovery through to actual mining, I think for the typical project, uh, copper project, it's about eight years. There's obviously a huge lag in supply. And at the moment, obviously demand is going through the roof. And what we're already now seeing then is we're seeing the, the, the price for these metals is starting to move quite sharply higher. Now, I don't believe that this is just um, a factor to do with monetary policy and the wider inflationary pressures that we're seeing. 
I think this is a quite fundamental traditional supply and demand issue that we're facing. And of course, the higher that these metal prices rise, the more money there is going to be available for companies like ours to go out and explore for deposits. And the more these more sort of hidden and deeper deposits, the more economically viable they're going to become. So I do believe that we're on the cusp of a sea change in the way that this industry works. And so for a company like Kavango, yeah, I think you picked up on the right thing. We are very forward looking and this is how we've positioned our business to be successful in the future. Um, in terms of our strategy moving forward, we really are focusing on where we believe there's going to be the most demand. So in terms of sort of the electrification, the green revolution, nickel and copper really are going to be two of the fundamental drivers of that. And of course, now that we have gold into our portfolio as well as the traditional asset of, of safe haven, you know, there's sort of, there's a feeling you can't really go wrong with gold. So that, that for us, um, it does make a great deal of sense. So those are really are the three main areas that we'll focus on as a business moving forward. And I mean, looking at the, the projects in particular, I, I mean, there's, there's surely drill targets and plans, but if you're breaking it down as to what your objectives are, I mean, we're, we're heading in very quickly, rapidly going through 2022 already or 2023, apologies. Uh, I mean, what, what are the timelines and objectives for the company to, to achieve uh, going throughout this year and, and looking into the future as well? Because there is this ever-growing demand and there's almost this urgency and pressure on exploration companies to get the ball rolling quicker. So there are two, there are two aspects to our strategy for 2023. Uh, first of all, we want to drill our, all three of our Botswana projects again. So for our Kalahari Suture Zone and our Ditao projects, for those two projects, we'll use the same rig. So we'll drill those two projects sequentially. We haven't yet decided on the order that we're going to drill those in. That's going to depend on some assay results that we're just waiting for, for some investigation we've done on some historic holes um, in the Ditao area. Those should be with us, um, hopefully, in the next two weeks. Um, once we have that data, we're obviously going to then decide exactly um, which order we're going to drill those two projects in. In the Kalahari Copper Belt, um, we're now focusing on our four licenses that are by the Namibian border. Uh, we've got some more exploration that we need to do over those. Um, we've got some drill targets that we have already identified, uh, but there are some more surveys that we need to run. So we want to fly some more airborne. We want to do some more gravity work. We also want to do some more CSAMT over that license area before we commit to drilling. So I think for the KCB, we'll be drilling in the second half of, of this year. In terms of the second aspect of our strategy, uh, that's where we're looking to expand our portfolio. So we are now in the late stages um, of looking at some additional acquisitions. So we are going to look at a new jurisdiction. I can't give any detail about that specifically at this point, but I'm hoping that by the end of April, we'll be able to put out some news about that um, to talk to the market exactly what our strategy is and, and how the new projects that we bring in will fit in with our existing portfolio and bots. Uh, I mean, we're then operating in, in Botswana. And again, you mentioned Namibia, Namibia, apologies. Uh, and venturing into those uh, jurisdictions, how have you found the the almost acceptance or or opening up those pathways and, and discussions with these communities? How how has that been progressing, and what is the the priority in regards to hopefully encouraging local communities to get involved? And in, in, you know, you say in the long term, if there is a potential deposit, that suddenly it's a, a great economical benefit that people start getting jobs and there's upskilling and and all of that. But again, that's something that you'd say is probably later down the track. You can't get too ambitious about it. But but how is that um, outlook for the company? Well, I think we should be ambitious about it because if you, if you step back and think about it, I don't believe there's another industry in the world that can offer um, communities in sort of more deprived regions of the world the chance for instant economic growth and instant social improvement as the mining sector. Because if you think about what a mine will do for a community is it's obviously an immediate source of jobs. It's an immediate source of significantly improved 
local infrastructure, immediately improved local supply chains. And of course, the more economic activity that you have in an area, that's when social services start to, to function better because there is just more money. So you have better schools, better access to healthcare, uh, better provision of security, so policing. So for us, a, a mine in the community, if it's run in the right way, um, can be extremely beneficial. Now, one of the things that we focused on with Kavango is we've invested a great deal in building our team in Botswana. So we have a local managing director, Tips and Grisani, um, who is, uh, used to be the uh, CEO of Botswana Geological Institute. So he provides us with a lot of leadership on the ground. He does a lot of our community engagement. Our um, exploration manager is also local. So Fred, who's worked with us now for, for 18 months, he's also a, a local national. So we're not one of these firms that simply parachutes in consultants from around the world. We've invested very heavily in the communities that, that, we, that we work in. So we've also looked to try and train up our staff, train up our teams. We also follow our CSR initiatives as well. So even though that we are an exploration company, pre-discovery, uh, we've allocated a percentage of our exploration budget to CSR initiatives. Now that goes from some, some of the smaller work that we do. So for example, we provide some support to a local school near one of our project areas through to some of the bigger ticket items. So that with the, the exploration wells that we drill, obviously we try to leave those behind as water wells. That's very important in an arid environment, you know, providing access to more water. So there is a lot that a company like ours can do with, with just a little bit of thought, a little bit of care and attention. It doesn't have to be that expensive. And I think it's a very important thing for a business like ours to do. Obviously then in the long run, what we want to do is if we can make a discovery and that then can turn into a mine, well, that's really where the transformational impact will happen. And I mean, corporate social responsibility, the, the CSR, that's a, that's a huge factor that, and it's good to hear that the company's focused on. I mean, the emerging one that really is almost you have to comply with as an investor and as a company is that ESG uh, and, and that compliance and, you know, speaking with other guests on the show, the future of in particular EVs uh, and the idea of, of, of consumers being able to scan items and be able to identify exactly what compliance a company has within ESG guidelines and, and frameworks. I mean, that's got to be a, a huge focus or not even a focus, but yeah, is a focus, but, but almost a guideline that companies now have to adjust and, and implement into to structure. I mean, what, what sort of goes through your mind when you're using that as a framework for also empowering and, and developing, um, within ESG? Well, I think one of the things I'm obviously a bit conscious of is use of labels with these things you yeah. know, at the moment, it does feel like ESG is a bit of a fad in terms of the way a lot of people are approaching it. But what we've tried to do with our business and the leadership we're showing, we've got a, a very sort of keen focus on ethical sourcing in particular. And I think if you look at the reputation of the mining industry historically, it's quite deservedly pretty appalling. I mean, there's a, a lot of very shady practices that have happened in this sector and have become sort of accepted ways of doing business, you know, sort of a lot of corruption, a lot of bribery, you know, a lot of really sort of just taking resources from local communities and not really providing them with very much benefit. There's a lot historically in this space that's happened that has been, yeah, pretty, pretty appalling. One of the great things I see with ESG and the focus um, that there is now um, on sort of better practices, better business practices, better co commercial practices, better social practices, that there does seem to be a genuine concern out there that it's not just simply a case of turn up to this country, dig their metals out of the ground and then promptly bugger off and leave very little behind apart from, you know, a, a horrible environmental legacy. I hope that those days are increasingly behind us, although, you know, there is still a lot, lot of room for improvement, but in terms of our business, I think if we think about ethical sourcing, so long as everything is done in the right way, that's from the very beginning. So from the point that you acquire your initial licenses, how you then conduct your exploration, how you 
behave as a business. So for example, with us, um, as a company, corruption is an absolute red line. We police things very, very tightly. You know, our team is very focused on this. You know, we as a business, we will simply never pay a bribe. Now, to be fair, working in a country like Botswana, we've never been asked for one either. It's one of the great things about working in bots, but it is something you do need to be aware of in, in this sector. And it's very important that, you know, when you have that, that those principles, those core principles that you drive your business by, that you stick to those religiously, 100% with no room for deviation. And I think so long as companies behave in that way and they don't simply treat, you know, things like ESG as just a, you know, a latest buzzword or label to slap on some promotional marketing, then I think it can be very powerful and a very positive, uh, po positive um, impact on, on both businesses like ours, our industry as a whole, but then also the community that we're engaging with. Well, it almost aligns very much though with how you even started and got into, into the world of, of calling out and trying to do what you can. And, and it's nice to see in a way that your disciplines and, and your, the way you identify and work is, is structured within, in the company. And you can see that just with the way that you're speaking about the company now and it's, it's disciplines, it's, it's principles. And, and it's good to hear because yeah, I think the reality in, in Africa and certain areas is it has been hard done by, by, by companies that have, have abused their position and, and done very well. And you can imagine there is hesitancy, not so much in Botswana, but in other areas that they're not really very enthusiastic about, you know, being taken advantage by a second time and the, the ability to build up strong collaborative relationships. And again, it's better for everyone. And it's, it's good to hear that Kavango is, is focused on that. I mean, when you're looking at, there's a lot of, a lot of factors to consider. I, I assume you've got a huge array of, of land to, to consider and, and analyze and, and develop. But I mean, in a position like yourself, how do you identify where your key targets are? And because you've got such a huge area, I mean, with, with limited resources, what, what goes through the decision-making to, to prioritize certain areas? Well, it's the, the process itself sounds quite simple. You have, you start with sort of as wide a view as you can. You've got to look at the regional structures. That's the starting off point because it's really structure that determines mineralization and ultimately accumulation of economic mineralization. So you have to have that 30,000 foot view, um, of your, of your ground. From there, you then have to go through quite a rigorous painstaking approach of, um, of zoning in on particular target areas to, to focus on. Now that's requires quite a methodical approach as well. It requires quite a lot of patience. Obviously in the small cap space, patience is a commodity that's in quite short supply. So there is obviously a lot of market pressure, um, to deliver as well. Um, but ultimately, obviously your goal is to create high confidence drill targets, but you have to put the, put the hard yards in first to be able to get to that point. So I described earlier, some of the process that we use and the different technologies we use, that is a great way of helping to sort of reduce your risk, because obviously if you're using different remote sensing. Um, capabilities, you're taking different types of data. If you find that those different data points align with one another and they tell a consistent story, then that obviously increases the confidence of the, of the target that you're looking to drill. So for example, in the Kalahari suture zone, our main uh, project, which we're about to be drilling soon, this B conductor that we've identified, it's got this phenomenal, um, greater than 25,000 Siemens um, conductance reading. I mean, that is. There aren't many things there could be out there in nature other than some form of, you know, metal body, whether that's yeah. a metal body still remains to be seen. We have to drill this thing to prove that. Um, but we identified that originally from structural analysis of this great red spot magnetic anomaly, this thing sticks, sticks out like a sore thumb on a magnetic map. But then within the great red spot itself, we then had to look for areas of potential structural weakness where, um, or 
all containing fluids could have made their way to surface. So it really is this sort of, you, you start at the very top and you just sort of take the steps and work your way down the chain until eventually you have a drill target and then you've got to go out and drill. And that really is the only way ultimately to, to, it's the final arbiter of all these things is the truth detector. Yeah. The proof of concept. And, and that alliterates your beginning point about exploration being so exciting because yeah, every day is going to be different. And I mean, the, the idea of Monday treasure hunters has come up quite frequently in, in a few conversations I've had that it is, it's the, the, the excitement of going out and potentially uncovering the next big deposit, which you can already, you already know that there is this incredible demand, this transition towards EVs. And that's before all the other aspects of the market need to, to adjust as well. And it, it opens up the perfect landing pattern opportunity to, to thrive in it. And yeah, the, the commodities that, that Rokabango is, is targeting, uh, yeah, they go hand in hand with where, where the emerging markets are going. So for listeners that want to learn more about the company and the projects and where can they go to get more information? So if you go to www kavangoresources.com and kavango is spelled k-a-v-a-n-g-o as you very kindly pointed out earlier we have put quite a lot of effort into our website so there's a lot of information there but you can also follow us on twitter as well um if you if you type in kavango resources into twitter you'll find our twitter feed very easily the hashtag is k-a-v we put a lot of interviews out as well so again simple google search um, of, of the company and there's a lot of information out there both about our projects what we're pursuing and what our plans are in the near future. Yeah, I can happily say the website really took me in, in surprise because a lot of the companies, sometimes it's hard to decipher exactly what you're trying to do with a lot of in naivety uh, mining terms and lingos, but that really did break down a lot of the, the technologies you're using, your priorities, your team, your goals, your focus. It just made it very easy. So I highly recommend listeners to go and check that out and follow the company because it sounds like there's a lot of exciting projects in the works and there'll be a fair bit of announcements and, and news about the company. So thank you, Ben, for taking the time to speak with me on the show. And um, I look forward to touching base in the future to see how it's all progressing. Brilliant. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Market Bull podcast. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to like and subscribe. You can follow the Market Bull on our socials at Twitter and LinkedIn by searching the Market Bull. You can also subscribe to our newsletter on the website by visiting www.themarketball.com.au.